Hello and welcome to Trigonometry. I'm Francis Foster. I'm Constantine Kisson. And this is a show for you if you want honest conversations with fascinating people. Our brilliant guest today, I'm delighted to say, is a comedy writer behind some of the most beloved shows in the history of television. Graham Linhan, welcome to Trigonometry. Thank you. Thank you very much for, for asking. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you on. I did mention, obviously, in the intro that you're, uh, you, you, you wrote Father Ted, Black Books, uh, The IT Crowd. You were part of the team behind a whole bunch of other shows. But more recently, you've also become uh, very controversial and problematic, which is one of the reasons we're extra delighted to have you on the show. <laughs> um, but before we get into that, we had a bunch of questions just about comedy uh, for you as well. Yeah. So it seems to me, Graham, that, and this is someone genuinely who's a massive fan of your work, um, that you operate in what could be seen as a golden age of comedy, you know, the 90s, the early noughties, where there was lots of money to be made. And mm. dare I say it, people are a lot braver now. How do you think the comedy landscape has changed over those last 10 to 15 years? Have we become better, more progressive, or have things got a little bit worse, would you say? When you say more progressive, how do you mean? Uh, <laughs> you mean are things improving? <laughs> <laughs> That's not what progressive means, man. So I think was what you're getting at. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, do you mean? Do, sorry, but I generally, genuinely, do you mean the quality of comedy or? or? Yes, I, so I, so I mean, I mean the quality of comedy. Do you think that we we've improved? Uh, as, uh, are the the content has improved, or do you think that we've regressed slightly? Do you think that? Dare I say it, that people are less able to make certain jokes because they're deemed to be not accepted? Oh, yeah. yeah, well, you know, that's, um, I mean, the most revealing t thing to me that always happens is when someone like Dave Chappelle brings out a special um, uh, and uh, the headlines read things like Dave Chappelle launches attack on Michael Jackson victims, you know, this type <laughs> of thing. When you know you look at the you look at it and it's uh, it's a setup for a joke. It's obviously the setup for a joke. Um, so so you have a very odd uh, situation at the moment where journalists who are kind of uh, who are kind of uh, setting themselves up as cultural gatekeepers are um, pretending that that for some reason people like. Uh, Dave Chappelle and, and Louis C.K. I, I realize he's more problematic, but but, uh, <laughs> but they're pretending that these people are serious when they're telling jokes. And they write them down in, 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 in journalism pieces. Like I know um, uh, Louis C.K. made a routine about those kids who were all shot mm. uh, and uh, David Hogg and people like that who then went on and, and, uh, and uh, you know, became leaders of an anti-gun movement. He made a routine about them, something, I think he said they were something like selfish, you know. Yeah. It's such an absurd thing to say immediately about, um, about people who've been the subject of gun attacks, <laughs> you know, at their school. Um, and yet it's reported in this most, it's reported as if he's, I don't know, he's Trump. Or something. Mm. I don't know how to stop my my WhatsApp messages getting through while we're. This while is the we're level talking. of professionalism we expect <laughs> on trigonometry. <laughs> but actually, on your very yeah. point, to I wrote a piece about it, so I remember the details quite carefully, quite accurately. I think he didn't actually joke about the people that had been that had been shot. What he joked about is the fact that the people who weren't shot were then being held up in the media as these paragons of virtue and truth of, on, on, on the gun debate. And he was saying, the fact that you push some fat kid in front of you 
doesn't make you more interesting. <laughs> yeah, which, which, is, which is so obviously, uh, you know, uh, said to produce a huge laugh from the audience, you know, and, and not, not serious in any way, you know. Of course. So, so, um, so there's a kind of a weird um, uh, propaganda exercise going on where all these woke morons are pretending that comedians are serious about their material, you know? So, um, so I think in, I, I can't, uh, and also I, an interesting thing happened to me during my cancellation. I've had one or two people, uh, big names, uh, meet me for lunch and uh, very kindly. Um, I mean, you know, they don't, they don't say, they, they don't say anything publicly. Jonathan Ross did. Jonathan Ross has been an absolute star. Um, but a few other people uh, meet me privately and talk to me about it. And one guy met me and he said, he said, a comedian friend of his said, uh, the joke that will destroy my career is already out there. Um, and, and, and that's something that should scare all of us because what it means is that, I, t I don't know who said this, I think it was Richelieu or someone, um, you may know the quote I'm going for. Um, he said something like, give me three letters by a person and I shall destroy them. Something like that, mm. which means that you know you can you can dig into any uh, correspondence and find stuff that will hang someone. So imagine you have a comedian's entire Twitter uh, history, which um, which existed before all these taboos became taboos, and can be just used to just you know used used to destroy people. And I think also another thing that's happening are people like Owen Jones and. And and uh, people like that are doing a similar thing. They're finding. I got uh, uh, something that happened to me during um, all of this was um, uh, the uh, uh, what's her name, uh, Linda Riley of Diva Mag, uh, <laughs> the lesbian magazine for men. And Anthony Watson of of GL. Triple A D, I think it is. Mm -hmm. but, um, they both did what they did. I mean, it's so obvious what they did. They ran a search on my uh, Twitter timeline for words like cunt and faggot. You know, mm -hmm. they found one cunt, which I said to Theresa May, which I've apologized for. Uh, didn't say it to her, I said it about her. And, uh, um, and another one they found was a, a thing where I said, um, I'd love to program. This was when... I was in the middle of Gamergate, which I'd love to talk to you about because mm. because that's that's I, I I've got a lot of revised feelings about Gamergate. Um, but uh, during Gamergate, when when you know gamers were some gamers were behaving in very kind of you know anti-gay or anti or misogynistic ways, I said I'd love to program a gay pride march through the middle of Karachi in Call of Duty. You know, and I did an impression in quotes of the of the gamers going, you know, going nuts and going faggot, faggot, shouting at them. <laughs> and they found this one and they printed it up as an example of me using the word faggot. You know, so so it's a it, it what it what it is is apart from being this censorious, uh, anti-liberal and, and undemocratic thing, is is it it's a political uh, lever. You know. Uh, I, I, I don't know if you, Benjamin Boyce points this out a lot, and it's basically they're using um, the language of, of uh, you know, moral superiority or whatever you want to call it to, um, 
to to get ahead, you know, to 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 get political positions, to uh, win student student places, you know, in, on uh, you know, it's it's political, it's purely political. And if you master this language, then um, you know you can you can get ahead. It's so cynical. It's so cynical. You know, imagine imagine two gay people writing the word faggot into a search engine, trying to find some some uh, some example of, uh, of of wrong think. You know, they're, they're, it's twisted. But anyway, sorry, I'm, I, I, you gotta, you gotta stop me rambling. I will ramble if I'm. No, no, rambling is great. Rambling is what the podcast is all about. But <laughs> um, also, as well, but you look at commission comedy, and it would seem to me that the quality of comedy that has been con- that has been commissioned has gone down. And do you think that when you look at, you know, because you look back at Father Ted, there were some real instances there where the comedy was very much on the knuckle. Do you think that that would be allowed to be slipped past now or? Well, the thing is, I don't know. I mean, I, it's been a long time since I've kind of swum in the, in the, in those waters. I, my last, uh, my last show, um, Motherland is slightly different. I'm, I'm not involved with Motherland anymore, but, but Count Arthur was my attempt to write a family comedy because I kind of thought, I kind of thought when you get them right, they, they go really big you know mm. it can be really successful you know so I, I did my best and I think I didn't I think we got a couple of things wrong I think the location was wrong um a bit too people didn't want to spend all their time in one of those plastic cafes you know um but but uh uh so so I don't know about that kind of near knuckle edgy comedy uh anymore I don't I'll give you a good example of something that I can't really see being made now is brass eye I can't see brass eye getting anywhere because the, you know, I don't think it's, it's so much a, um, I don't think it's so much that everyone's become more censorious. I think it's that there's a couple of generations that have grown up with the internet and find any kind of uh, test of their views um, violent. <laughs> they think that it's a violent act to question or, or, um, uh, hold their their views up to 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 you know ridicule or whatever it happens to be. They think that's literally violence, and and um, it's very hard to get things done. I would imagine it's very hard to to circumnavigate all that stuff, you know. And I, my sense also as well, just for as an outside observer, is I I don't know the, the balls on the commissioners and the producers seem to have shrunk over the decades because. In the past, I think they would have been prepared to stand up for things that they believed in, even if they knew it was going to attract controversy. Whereas now it seems like, you know, if you are anticipating there's going to be a few complaints uh, mm-hmm. amplified by social media, then you'd rather not take that risk. Do you think that there's an element of truth in that as well? Uh, well, you know, I wouldn't like to be on the end. I mean, I've been on the end of <laughs> No one wants to be on the end of a, of a of something like that. But on the other hand, People really, ha- I mean, this goes not just for commissioners, but for businesses and universities and everyone. Mm. People have to realize how easy it is to set up a thing where hundreds of people are writing to you, telling you that the person you've employed is a monster or whatever it is. And, and, I'm, and, I, and it's really getting annoying the way, the way these idiots uh, back down as soon as they're, you know, like when, when I get, there's certain people who regularly, certain people I see uh, in my Twitter feed, they're socks for, for other people. Mm. And 
we know who they are. We know, you know, there's only, there's only one of the things that we've been trying to do throughout all this fight is trying to get these LGBT organizations to call out the bad actors in their midst, you know? You get someone like Stephanie Hayden, who's a fraudster, um, uh, Amy Challoner, who, who uh, was, you know, whose father was an abuser, uh, uh, tortured a little girl, and then married a pedophile in America. You know, it's like these are these are people who should not be involved in safeguarding, should not be, as Amy Challoner was, running uh, an LGBT youth group for ages 14 plus or something. These are these are dangerous people. Jonathan Yanov is another example. Mm. And, and they're dangerous people and they they um, they need to be called out. Now, someone like Yaniv has hundreds of sock accounts, you know, and he has a he has a program running uh, that just automatically checks for his name so that he can then report them, you know. And and this person got Megan Murphy, one of one of you know an important Canadian feminist, kicked off Twitter forever, you know. Yeah. Now, we people have got to realize that they are being manipulated by sociopaths, you know. Uh, there's other people, that, you know, the, the the writers of Pink News. They're they're like demented, you know. Like uh, there's one who's written a few pieces on me, uh, Vic, Vic. What's her name? Vic something. And um, she's just eaten up by rage, you know. And it, and it's um, you know we got to stop listening to these people. One of the things the internet did. And and again, this is I've, I've made a real journey. I've made a real journey over the last couple of years. But one of these things into the internet, I used to be a bit of a internet uh, utopian to some degree. I kind of thought, I remember when music was being destroyed, I thought, oh, this is great. It means it'll, it'll make, it'll, it means indie bands will, will get bigger and there'll be more access to, to uh, and they'll be able to make their own money. They'll be able to, to skip the middle, the record companies, the middleman, and, and they'll make so much money. It's just bullshit. They're all fucking starving, you know? And, and it was because capitalism was was too robust, you know? And all these people just thought, no, no, I'd rather, you know, if we can't make money, then the musicians will start. <laughs> that was the deal, you know? Mm. And, and, and I used to think, and another thing that I thought was great was the fact that with, the, with Facebook and Twitter and all these things, I thought that we, um, this kind of hive mind, which, which, which is not, actually that sounds, uh, uh, to, to like I'm saying, people would become, uh, would walk in lockstep, which mm. has happened, which is terrible. But I did think that the connectivity that we all had would lead to, I thought it would lead to breakthroughs in science. I thought it would lead it. it I mean, when, when I say it, it sounds, it sounds completely reasonable, doesn't it? You would well, I don't think you're wrong, actually, Graham. And I want to get into the story of how you've kind of evolved because you've gone through quite a journey, but I don't think you're wrong. I think it has had massive, massive benefits. Oh, sure. Uh, yeah. but, it, but it's also had a lot of disadvantages. But since we've delved well, into your whole story. Finish, just to finish my thought, just yeah, very yeah. quickly. Mm, yeah. I'll just say that, that, that what, what has happened that I think is very, very dangerous is that uh, a bunch of sociopaths hmm. have injected themselves into the uh, the world brain. <laughs> yeah. And we are now repeating things that are insane. You know, yeah. they're just insane because these sociopaths are, are, are working the controls. No, I know what you mean. So let's let's dig into that, but let's start at the beginning because I introduced you as the, the man behind some of the most beloved shows in the history of television. I don't think that's inaccurate. So you've got a great career. You're, you're going along nicely. You're working, uh, you know, you're respected, loved, your work is loved. 
And then suddenly you go from that to being cautioned by the police for dead naming and I, I wasn't cautioned. Just you weren't be... cautioned. Sorry, no, you were no. you were spoken to by the police. Yeah, that was Stephanie Hayden, the yes. uh, <laughs> who's very funny. Uh, Stephanie Hayden in court, they said um, they they pointed out that she was convicted for fr he was convicted for fraud. I'm not calling Stephanie Hayden, is she? It's a, um, no way. Um, but uh, he. Um, he was convicted for fraud and he said, oh, that was just for passing bad checks in Wales. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, so but, that you, you, got you, the police to call yeah, me yeah. and got the police. Uh, they said, do you know Stephanie Hayden? And I thought they were calling because they caught him <laughs> because, because yeah. he's, you know, he's a fraudster. Mm. And he ripped off this guy called um, Fat B, this bloke who's trying to open a, uh, open a restaurant in London. He ripped him off for something like 27,000 pounds. So um, I thought, great, the police have called me and I'm going to be able to put this guy behind bars. But no, they called me to stop, stop, uh, to leave him alone, <laughs> you know. And this was, I had, I'd had him blocked by this stage. So mm -hmm. basically what Hayden was doing was he was getting the police to call and he, and he sued me on the same weekend. Because how Hayden works is he likes to, he's done this to, he did this to a transsexual friend of mine in Norwich. Um, uh, he, he sues you, he calls police on the same weekend. He doesn't send a letter of intent or whatever it's called, the thing that says, if you take this down, I won't sue you. He, he does it all to maximize the stress that, mm. that he puts people under. Mm. Uh, and that's who the police call me. And that's what the Guardian story is. Right. So, but, but what I want to get into before we get into all the nitty gritty. Of it, <laughs> yeah, sorry. Is, no, it's You'll just, find I have certain hobby horses and once I do No, up, no I get yeah. it because it's, it's a very... Personal, as someone who's been in the middle of a media storm myself, I understand all of that. The, the little details piss you off and it's, it's all there. But what I want to understand is, first and foremost, what made you decide to go from beloved cultural figure to this guy on the internet talking about women's rights and being attacked by trans activists? What, what was it that you were like, I can't stomach this anymore. I have to speak on this. I'm not sure that it was uh, one single thing. Mm. It was uh, after a while, like once you recognize this, you realize that there is a real lockdown on um, on information about this, you know, and I was in my Twitter bubble of uh, liberal left wing leaning people. And I would see things every so often that that's like, I remember one that said, you know, when I was thinking, why are so many people trans now? Everyone's everyone. Everyone's brother is trans. You know, everyone's. Mm. You know, and and then I saw a thing that said, um, it said it's because more accepted now, more people are coming out as, as trans. You know, and and I remember reading all this and thinking, oh, oh okay, maybe maybe that's true. <laughs> you know, but the more I kind of thought about it, and the more crazy stuff that started coming out, I I I realized I was being gaslit. You know, and then and then something happened it was coming to the end of the irish uh, uh repeal the eighth uh campaign which me and my wife had um my wife and i had uh, had participated in and uh i think to 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 pretty good effect i think we made a video that was quite powerful and um it did a lot of good you know but um but the people who were running the the, the repeal thing in ireland included a bunch of people who i'll give you an example of what they did they ran a thing, they had a blocker up called Repeal Shield. And Repeal Shield was supposedly to uh, block um, MAGA types. Uh, but it also, without telling anyone, they also put feminists in there, you know? 
Um, and feminists do like Donald Trump. <laughs> big fans, big fans. Yeah, yeah. So, and at the same time, they got marriage equality passed, and they did that thing. I don't know if you saw the legal document that Denton's. Uh, uh, Denton's is this legal firm. This is amazing. Who advise trans activists wanted to pass something that said that kids didn't have to uh, consult their parents or didn't have to get their parents' permission if they began transitioning, right? Mm. And they wanted to get that put into law. And uh, a law firm called Denton's advised, said, wrote this document where they said, uh, look to Ireland. Ireland did great work passing gender ID uh, on the back of more successful or more popular reforms like marriage equality, you know? So they, that's what they did. They slipped it in. And they and another thing that Denton's document said is um, try and avoid the media, you know. I mean, as I've said before, what kind of what kind of civil rights group avoids the media, you know? So so all this stuff was piling up, and and then I, I had cancer, and I was I was in I I I was on morphine. This was I I always have to include that because I think the morphine made me a lot braver than I should have been. <laughs> but I was on my hospital bed and uh, and I got and I saw a thing that said, uh, you know, now we've dealt with repeal. This is an Irish person. Now we've dealt with repeal. I want I, I want to tell you Graham Linehan is a turf. And they included a bunch of things I'd liked and so on. You know, the usual things that are just no one could object to unless you're insane. You know, like trans people deserve respect and help. Uh, but women deserve their rights too. That's it, you know? Uh, so I saw that I was being cancelled and I kind of got a bit sick of it then and I kind of thought, well, what, what am I saying that's wrong? And I, and I examined it and it wasn't anything. I wasn't saying anything wrong, you know? And I, and I still stand by, I've never really said anything wrong about this stuff, you know? I can back up all my opinions, you know? But Graham, wasn't there a part of you that, I mean, you clearly feel strongly about this and that's fine, but wasn't there a self-preservation gene that was like, hang on, mate, if you tweet this, you're going to get into some serious problems because we've all written a tweet and then looked at it and thought, no, better delete that. Yeah, Do you yeah. not have that? Well, no, because I wasn't saying anything wrong. Mm. I was saying, I was, and also I was standing up for reality. I mean, like I saw... Uh, did you see the thing I tweeted uh, yesterday? The guy who got thanked by the Board of Educators? Uh, no, I didn't. Oh, yeah, okay, here it is. This is just extraordinary. I'll send it to you. Um, and, you know, I've sent this to various people who I hate, like, uh, <laughs> like uh, you know, Josie Long and, and, and Owen Jones and so on. And um, and they never answer because there's no answer to it, you know? And it's this, it's this guy, like... So anyway, that's a man, right? That is a man, okay? Please put, right. a, please put me saying that this is a man over the shot of the man, please. Yeah. Uh, that's the man. <laughs> and and um, if we are to make comedy, there has to be a base of reality. There has to be. And, it, and r r any form of writing, you have to have a base of reality. So if something like this is happening, you have two choices. You can you can adopt you can adapt to the new reality, or you can fight against it. And I just chose to fight against it because comedy is impossible if that's a woman. Impossible, <laughs> you know. 
And you talk about adapting to reality. One of the things I wanted to raise with you is the Count Dankula case. Okay. Because you've gone through quite an evolution on many issues, that being a good example where, you know, we've had Dankula on the show uh, and we've talked to him about his case. And I think at the time you felt that his joke was, you know, he was a way of supporting the, the the Nazis or he wasn't maybe a Nazi or maybe he's far right. And I think you even helped or kind of organized the taking down of his GoFundMe page and stuff like that. And you've since then, you know, to change your position to diametrically the opposite. And I think you, you apologize to Marcus. So uh, talk to us about that and what happened there, because the issue of free speech in relation to all of these things is kind of the crucial issue, because if you can't talk about what the truth is, um, then it becomes very difficult, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I, but but I have to say that my interest in this doesn't come from a free speech angle. Mm. It, 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 I think it's even more fundamental in a weird way. It's really about being able to say what reality is. I think if we're not able to say what reality is, then we will go mad. Right, but that's what free speech is for, is my, is my point, Graham, is you, if you don't have free speech, then you can't say what reality is. Sure, but 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 I my I thought the reality of Count Dankula was that he was a uh, he you know I saw that he had videos on Stormfront I saw that he was he was taking pictures with Tommy Robinson uh, you know and I I did that thing that I assembled a, a, an identikit of him that that possibly wasn't true all the all that possibly wasn't the whole truth you know. Uh, uh, but I do think, you know, things like things like um, the Kekistan flag and all that stuff, they, they really I, I do find all that stuff grim because because it was to me, it was uh, kind of cheering on one of the worst things that's happened to humanity, which is Trump's win. You know, I, 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 I wonder if we get four more years, will the world survive it? You know, so, you know, I, I and I also at that point, I saw the rise of the far right and I was really worried about it, really scared they were getting a hold. And I saw this and, you know, I combined that with there was a thing I think Vox Day wrote or someone like that about how to hide your real uh, uh uh, anti-Semitic or or whatever it happens to be intentions within um, uh, comedy because comedy is easier to absorb and stuff like that. But with with Dankula, I just think I mean I know now that he's like he he's just someone who just I don't know likes poking those buttons I guess you know. But um, uh, uh, yeah, but you know I mean I mean the thing about the the, the getting the phone me brought down was I really I remembered later after I apologized that he did say it was for an appeal that never happened and I, I do remember that that around that time they were a, a lot of right-wing people were monetizing these uh these these stances and I kind of put him under that umbrella you know mm-hmm. and but the appeal did happen just to be just to be fair to him the appeal did happen yeah oh, yeah yeah I, well then i i, I my apologies well, look no I, i'm not i'm not trying to get you to apologize again no, no, because you no, already no. did what i want to find out is um one of the things i found very interesting when when the article came out and you retweeted it yourself and said you partly agree with it um was that you said you were now skeptical about some of the people who were cheering you oh. on Oh yeah, as like, you were criticizing Dankula. Talk to us about that. Well, uh, when Gamergate started, I mean, Gamergate was something that I felt proud of right up until recently. 
you know, uh, because I, I, I saw it as a, just a misogynistic hate campaign. In fact, sorry to interrupt, Graham, because there'll be people listening and watching oh, sure. it who might me, not know what Gamergate is. Can you just give a brief description of what it is and then your attitudes to it? Yeah, and and my description, I'll try and make my description what I thought it was, what I now realize it was, mm. and, okay. and, and how it's changed. What I thought Gamergate was, in its entirety, again, like with Dankula, was a hate campaign aimed at women in, in the gaming industry that was, um, uh, you know, they were, they, I was employing things like swatting, you know, there were women gamers who were being, the fucking SWAT teams were coming to their house, killing, you know, one woman, I think her dog was killed, because that's the first thing they do when a SWAT team comes around to your house, they shoot <laughs> the dog. Um, you know, so, so again, because it was women being targeted, my, my anger reflexes got up, because that's the thing I really can't bear. Um, and, uh, and I just jumped into it and, and, and that's what I thought it was. But what it really was, was a confluence of millions of different things happening at the same time. There were a lot of, and I now realize there were a lot of, uh, young men who were much closer to the truth of what was happening in colleges and stuff mm. than I was, who realized that there was this censorious, illiberal, um, uh, uh, canceling kind of culture that was really dangerous, you know, and they were all mixed up with with um, with the real right wingers and and people like uh, uh, Yiannopoulos, uh, who who it seemed to me was very cynically cashing in and trying to trying to recruit uh, young men into the right. Uh, in fact, I think he actually said that that's what he was doing. Um, so you know, at the time, I was just very hardline. I was like. Uh, you know, people would say, what is Gamergate? I'm always confused by Gamergate. And I would say, it's a misogynistic hate campaign, and that's all it is, you know? I had a very hardline, you know, view of it. But I now realize that a lot of the people on my side, like there was one one person uh, called Super Gamer Girl, you know? And uh, I saw a picture of him, bald bloke with a huge beard, you know? <laughs> and and these are the people who who were who were doing all this. I thought I was defending women uh, some of the time, and some of the time I wasn't even, I, I was defending blokes, you know? Um, uh, so so it was, it's, so I now see that what it really is, is a kind of a tribalistic war, especially in America, between between two groups, is a kind of uh, anar <laughs> an anarchic kind of Bernie bro types, I guess you'd say, and then on the other side, you have these, uh, a combination of MAGA types, but also, you know, people who are just, who just like pushing the buttons on the, on the other side, you know? I think it's all bad because it, in the end, it, you know, you can't treat everything like a joke. I remember when Trump won, a bunch of right-wingers said, we did it, we elected a meme, you know? And, and, and it might be fun and you might feel, and I'm sure it gives you a huge feeling of power, but you know, it's it's now killing their friends and family. You know, so so I mean, with you know the response to coronavirus. So so my my by after by being cancelled and getting into this fight, I realised that there were a lot more currents that I was aware of, um, and I and I'm, to be honest with you, I'm I'm very proud of the. Um, I'm very proud of what I've done in the uh, women's rights thing recently, but 
I, I think I may have made a few mistakes in the Gamergate time. Yeah, and, but I think that's not an, un, uh, you know, some people will look at that and go, oh, she was a hypocrite, which I think one of the articles said about you. I actually think someone who's able to change their mind over time, I, I think that's something that every person should be proud of, is growing as a human being and learning and changing your mind as you realize more. I think that's pretty, pretty, uh, it's a healthy thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, one thing that I've realized uh, recently is, um, something we should all guard against is certainty you know and uh, and i like being on this side of this fight because so many people are telling us we're wrong me and the feminists i support that you spend most of your time going am i wrong and thinking about it <laughs> and kind of you know and then and then no no i'm, I'm actually okay you know it, it it's something it's something that one should do and and i think my experience of gamergate will will mean that i do that more often probably you know? And Graham, don't you think part of the problem with the internet is that we have these discussions or debates, whether it's, you know, the trans debate, which is incredibly nuanced. There's a lot, you know, there's a lot of depth to this. And we're trying to do it over Twitter. And I can't remember how many characters Twitter has, but you simply can't do it over that type of platform. And also as well, it's really in order to have these types of conversations, debate, they really need to be done face to face, aren't they? Wouldn't oh, you say sure. But, yeah. but it's not happening because they, like, as you know, one of the, one of Stonewall's um, uh, cast iron rules was no debate. You know, they, they this Denton's document, which, which uh, perhaps you could put in the link to your, uh, I'll send you, I'll send you, you push, mm. put it in the link in the video, you know, saying to avoid media uh, scrutiny is, is just extraordinary. And, and you'll notice, when have you ever seen a debate between two opposing sides are so rare, they're so rare. And it's because what happens, and, and it's another brilliant way of silencing the women in this because they're using the uh, the news kind of um, ecosystem to, against, it, against itself because the news won't get someone on unless there's an opposing view. So if they get someone like Kathleen Stock on uh, to talk about something, then the other side can go, no, she's a, she's a, she's a turf, I'm not, I'm not appearing with her. And then the, the, the piece just doesn't happen. You know, so um, so yeah, I agree. Twitter is a terrible place uh, for it to happen, but you know, I thought I'd use it in a different way. I thought I would just keep hammering, 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 hammering the points home over and over again until people couldn't mistake the points. And even that doesn't work because yesterday I got message from two bearded blue tick idiots who were like, "I'd love to know what happened to Graham in it." <laughs> what the fuck how, how you know my timeline is right there you know and none of the things i'm posting there's a good answer to so they just ignore it it's the strangest thing but yeah twitter makes it possible to do that for some reason i think gaslighting is the term you used and i think when it comes to you know look you've seen i interview with the posy parker for example where you know we pushed back on her pretty hard about some of the things because that's our job and we, we get to try to get to the bottom of some of these conversations but you know, there's biological reality and we are now in a position that you found yourself in that when you express clearly what is in my view, and this is why I don't think they do much polling on this because they know what would happen if they did polling <laughs> on this, yeah. right? Yeah. That's the view of 95% of the country. If you say to people, if you're born a man, you know, can you change your sex? Most people would say no, right? Yeah. Now, that's not because they hate trans people. It's just because it's a fundamental biological reality. And we are now in a position where, you know, 
if you if you if you express strongly your view that that is the case, you're automatically considered transphobic. Yeah, I know. I mean, that's it. And 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 the bar is so low. Like we've seen what happened to J.K. Rowling when she mm. when she tweeted a completely compassionate and reasonable thing, you know. And then they can't. They, there's also so many trans people who agree with us more and more every day, you know, who are just who are just uh, in despair at the damage that's being done uh, because of these lunatics, you know. And and there there does have to be a little there, there does have to be gatekeeping in this sense because there are certainly different types of people who are drawn to this, you know. There are like like the 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 the, the ideology is so incoherent that it means that, I mean, you know, the best example of how incoherent the, the ideology is, is that Karen White, the, the trans uh, woman, who I don't even think it's a trans woman, it's a bloke, it's a bloke, taking a piss. But Karen White got into a women's prison and, and, and sexually assaulted four women in a women's prison in the UK, where segregation is still the law of the land. That's how bamboozled uh, uh, the prison service where by Stonewall's advice mm. and that that kind of advice um, is now seen through so many different kind of institutions and so on and it and it doesn't it doesn't hold up it doesn't hold up to anything so you're you're constantly second guessing yourself and I, I remember someone wrote a brilliant thing where they said I've written I've written something hopefully it isn't transphobic <laughs> <laughs> you know? and, and it's like it's like they've just kind of painted themselves into the stupidest corner you know and i mean the only i wish there was some like like it makes no difference at all but i tagged in this morning i i sent that photograph of that bloke to john ronson and, and frankie boyle and uh, a few other people who uh who who do the trans women or women thing i said you know is this a woman or whatever you know, and they, they uh, Billy Bragg immediately blocked me, you know, and it's like, it's just hilarious. They can't, they can't answer the questions that they've set up for themselves. You know what I mean? It's so strange. So, so um, anyway, sorry, I, I rambled again. No, but you know, the one thing I wanted to talk about, and actually with the three of us, because it's unresolved for me is, you know, Francis and I, do you remember Francis when we first even started getting people on to talk about this? We were like, well, you know, it's it's a minority issue, isn't it? It's like something that, you know, affects like 0 point whatever percent of the population. Is it really worth talking? Is it really that interesting? But I was always standing with women, Graham, just to make it. But it's become a major issue, for, I think, for the reason that you say, because, yes, of course, the women's rights issue is a big one, but it, it speaks to a much more fundamental thing, which is, do we live in a society where you are able to speak the truth? Mm. Mm. And yeah. what this is revealing is there are areas of life on where you are not able to speak the truth, because if you do, you know, at best people will have the experience of you, that you've had, right? Sure. Yeah. But the, the shame is that all you need is all, all, all we need to happen is for more people to raise their voice. You know, the, the biggest, the biggest problem is people, frightened to say to say it people who are you know i mean a lot of women on twitter have to be uh, anonymous who are talking about this because um because if they use their they, they're scared of using their real accounts because they might get banned you know mm. and i remember when twitter brought in their misgendering rules one tweet said 
Uh, Twitter have changed their uh, terms and conditions, so misgendering is not that. Happy hunting, everyone, you know? <laughs> and they, they, so this is men silencing women, you know? So, um, so yeah, it's- Which I personally approve of, but- <laughs> <laughs> But it's- It's, it's, it's the it's, Russian way, mate. It's the Russian <laughs> way. Well, it's kind of, um, uh, but, but, but what I just, there's two things I don't understand. First thing is I don't understand why more people aren't speaking up. Because once you speak up, you create a you create an atmosphere that makes makes it okay for other people to speak up. And suddenly you're not alone. Suddenly, like me, for instance, I'm completely isolated amongst my celebrity friends at the moment. There's one or two people who are speaking up for me, um, who I'll always be grateful to. But for the most part, they not only don't speak up for you, they actually come out against you. Like, you know, I I I I showed a photograph of some 50-year-old chancer. Um, on a on a on a college basketball team with some girls, you know, and John Ronson criticised me for sharing the photograph, not for this pervert on this team, um, uh, you know, taking advantage again of these incoherent rules. So um, I just find it's just extraordinary people won't just uh, not say anything, but they'll go the extra mile and they'll actually throw women under the bus, you know. I mean, Ronson, God Almighty. It, it, it blows my mind, you know, the king of nuance, and he and he believes that he believes that trans women are women. You know, it's just he does not see any of the problems. He doesn't see the danger. He doesn't think women's sports are important enough to be bothered about. He doesn't. Uh, he doesn't um, uh, think that uh, you know the safeguarding problems that arise. You know, I, you, I don't know if you how how or whether you should, you follow my feed at, at all, but. You know, one of the things I, I, I share that blows me away is a sign in a toilet that says, if you see anyone in here that looks out of place, don't question them. They know better than you do, you know? Mm. Now, if you're a young girl and a man approaches you in a fucking toilet, then a poster like that is making that young girl less safe. It's taking even more power away from that young girl, you know? So the fact that someone like Frankie Boyle, and sorry, I love naming him, I fucking hate, you know, <laughs> I hate him so much, but Frankie Boyle and John Ronson, Josie Long and all these people, the fact that they will fight, fight for that man and not for that young girl, it blows my mind every day, you know? <laughs> to be honest with you, sometimes I read your tweets and I'm like, wow, that is, you know, very much like you said yourself, like a blunt instrument. Do you sometimes think that actually if you approach this subject with a little bit more nuance in your tweets, a little bit gentler, maybe a little bit more of a conciliatory, conciliatory tone, that the blowback wouldn't be as harsh on you? Well, no, because, because as you know, they don't accept anything. Mm. Like J.K. Rowling got cancelled because of one tweet. Yeah. You know, so if that's the if that's how it's going to be, then you might as well tell that, you know, tell the, the truth and the whole truth, you know. And also the the trans women who support me in this, uh, not many, uh, a couple of trans men who support me uh, and a lot of detransitioners who are, who are very nice to me as well. But but um, but the trans women who support me in this, people like Debbie Hayton and Christina Harrison. I mean, Christina Harrison said a brilliant thing in her speech. Um, she said, uh, she talked about Eddie Izzard, said that Eddie Izzard is now saying he has, you know, trans status, you know, and, uh, and she said that she used to admire Eddie Izzard when he used to say that he was a transvestite, that he, or that he was a crossdresser or whatever you want to call it. Um, but now that he's saying this, you know, he, she said something like, but he's not a woman and neither am I, you know, 
And that's the trans women I'm friends with, brave, you know, they, they kind of face their dysphoria. They, they face their condition with, with real, uh, with, you know, from a reality-based mindset. Mm. And, and they're much happier than all these miserable people who, are, who spend their time hunting feminists down and, and you know, you know, it's, it's, it's just, it's, it, it, we're encouraging a, a form of mental illness. Do you like, think, do you think we're making some progress on it though, Graham? I mean, we've just had the review oh yeah. of the Gender Recognition Act in the UK, which now says that you have to be 18 before you, uh, before you're able to transition. Uh, do you think we're starting to uh, see that reality is making a comeback? Uh, I do a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, um, you know, it's it's uh, as a as a lifelong lefty. Uh, although I've lost my tribalism completely, um, <laughs> you know, it's galling that getting cancelled will do that to you. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, it's galling that the conservatives did it, but but you know, I don't care who stands up for women as long as someone does. You know, mm. and, and and they've been great, and the, and Labour have been an absolute joke. I mean, here's here's how fundamentally. Uh, this issue destroys women's rights. Joe Swinson, I think, lost because of it. If you can't answer who, what a woman is on TV, then how can anyone vote for you? You know, and the labor leaders, all the fe- all the women labor leaders, made absolute pricks of themselves <laughs> on uh, on TV. You know, Lisa Nandy said that paedophiles should be housed with um, with male uh, with female prisoners. Uh, uh, Don Butler. With her, with her babies are born without a sex. I don't agree with what Miranda Yardley said about that. I think she meant it. I think she doubled down on it. Um, and uh, you know, and, and calling most outrageously of all. And I really wish they they'd sue, but they keep having their funding stopped, so it's hard for them to sue anyone. But LGB Alliance and Women's Place UK. I know these fucking women. You know, they include people like Linda Linda Bellops. You know, who's who who started. Uh, Black History Month, I think, in the UK. Um, Helen Steele, who sued McDonald's on her own and won, you know. These are absolute stars of left-wing activism. And they're being, you know, Helen Steele had a pint of beer thrown in her face when she turned up to, de- to defend a, a student who was being bullied uh, for being gender critical. Um, you know, the, 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 the lack of respect for left-wing heroes is, is extraordinary, you know. Um, Again, sometimes I get waylaid and I'm not sure where I began that sentence. Well, we, we began with me asking whether you think we're making progress. So I think the, the Gender Recognition Act situation, certainly I think you'd consider progress. Do you yeah, th- Kira, do, Bell, do you think- Kira Bell is going to be huge. When yeah. Kira Bell wins her case, or even if she loses, and people see this poor kid who, whose voice is now a man's voice and whose facial structure has been changed forever, um, who says she shouldn't have been told she shouldn't have been let do these things to herself when she was 16. When more people see this, they'll, they'll wake up, I think. Mm. And Graham, so you think that we're, so we're moving essentially in the right direction now. Do you think that with COVID, we might see a, a gentler, kinder? I can already tell what your answer is going to be. But Yeah, no, I, 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 it's been great, hasn't it? I mean, I don't know about you, but I've been doing, I mean, you, you kind of do lots of video stuff anyway, but I've been, I've been seeing more people, <laughs> you know, since the COVID thing started, you know. So uh, it seems not, also I, I have a feeling we'll come out of it thinking, 
wondering whether the five-day week is actually uh, a good idea, whether, you know, we should have three days to hang out with our kids rather than, rather than, five, rather than two. And Do you know what I mean? I think things, I think there might, maybe maybe we'll get more kids learning at home. And I don't know. I think it, it could be good. It could be good long-term. My big worry is I need to get the fucking theatres open to so, so I can put on the TED musical, you know? That's that's the that's the thing I I really need to happen. Don't we all, David? Oh, so David, sorry, what did I call you? I've kind of met. Sorry, I've been, I've been living on We're my on own. Video, so. I can be anyone you want. <laughs> <laughs> you see, what happened there is we we we've uh, just had an Irish guest on the show, and he just thinks you're all the same, mate. <laughs> yeah. That's what that is. But it's uh, fine because you're white and a man, therefore I can do that. Stop <laughs> being stop sh- being white fragile or white showing white fragility to me. But the one thing I wanted to talk to you about as well, and it's because we touch on cancellation and you're being very jokey about it, but what did, what was cancellation? What happened to you and what were the implications of it? Well, funnily enough, I, I, I kind of planned for it, all this in a weird way. Mm. I did, I did say to myself, I'm going to do this for a while. Uh, I had some money from my cancer treatment. So I thought I would, uh, so, so I, and you know, and people were being nice to me because I'd had cancer. So I thought, well, I'll use this time to not work and I'll just throw myself into this and I'll be protected for a while by the, the cancer money. And, uh, and then I got the TED musical, you know, so hopefully the TED musical will, will, um, uh, will find. So, and, and, you know, cause I thought if they attack the TED musical, it will just kind of bring more attention to it and they'll see, and the wider public will see how insane this stuff is. Um, but you know, then the TED musical took a lot longer than I thought, uh, um, and 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 the things I did try and uh, get going, uh, nearly all of them, you know, went nowhere. I had one phone call from a guy, who uh, who, you know, he picked up the phone full of enthusiasm, uh, offers me this great job, uh, and I said, okay, yeah, no, great, that's brilliant, you know, put down the phone. Maybe five minutes later. Causing back, sorry, it's been taken by someone else. And I was, you know, and and I and I thought about it for a while, and and I and I, I realized I knew exactly what happened. This guy went out to the to the office, yeah. and he <laughs> said, "Guess what, everybody? I got Graham Linehan to do it." You know, and the intern put up their hand and said, "He's a bigot," mm. <laughs> yeah. and that's it. You know, because you don't want to get the in, you don't want to get the uh, the younger members of staff angry. You know, so so. Uh, yeah, so that's so you happened. lost work, you lost friends. Yeah, you've had the police I, I call you. About, I feel good about the friends. I swapped out <laughs> my 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 fair weather friends for feminists and and you know people who, who really believe in things. So, May, I know exactly what you mean. That is one of the the great things about doing this show for us is we've swapped all the people that we thought were our friends, yeah, that weren't our friends, for people that actually understand what we're talking about and why we're doing it and. You know, and they might not agree with us on every issue of politics, but they they understand the importance of truth and reality over bullshit mm-hmm. and conformity. He's lying. We're complete on our own, Graham. This is it. <laughs> <laughs> Send us money. <laughs> no, I, I used to kind of. I think I may even have sent you something snarky once. Uh, I'm ashamed to say, because I used to hate terms like triggered and, mm. and and all that sort of stuff. Because I thought it was kind of, and even even now, I still not a huge fan of things like Tanya McGrath because I find all that stuff. What I now realize is that is that it was it was actually true. 
these, you know, all this stuff was true. And, and, and I do find my thing is you can't, it's hard to make fun of it when the true stuff is so mad, mm. you know? And, um, and I realized, but I, re and I, so I thought that people were exaggerating. Mm. I thought people were exaggerating about the state of, you know, um, cancel culture and all that sort of stuff. And I think a lot of people think that, you know, yeah. um, but of course it's, it's, it's so true. People get, people get fired for the most insane things like the, like Helen uh, Watts, uh, who, who's a girl guide leader, you know, who objected to um, uh, uh, not only uh, boys suddenly being able to sleep in the same tent as girls, but, but girl guide leaders being able to be men. Mm. And the parents don't have to be notified. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. It's legal to notify them. Yeah. So, and even know. on even on a smaller level, I mean, as the Sacta guy who shared the Billy Connolly routine about religion on his Facebook. Yeah. And the routine was a, from a DVD that they sell in Asda. <laughs> I know, I right? know. So so that's where but you know, on, on Titania and you know, triggered and all this kind of stuff. I mean, I think Andrew Doyle and Titania is actually a very good it's a mirror, you know, and that, that, that is the function of comedy sometimes, particularly satire, not so much comedy, but satire is to hold up a mirror to society and say, look, this is what it looks like, you know, yeah. and, and that's not comfortable and people don't like it, just like they don't like you making things black and white in the way that some things in life are. You're saying, is this a man or is this a woman? People don't like that because it forces them to confront their own duplicity and their own mm -hmm. weakness and their own fear. That's why people don't like it. And that's why I think some people don't like Titania. And the same with us. I mean, yes, we call the show trigonometry, but it's actually more of a trigger warning than anything. We're saying, if you're uncomfortable with controversial discussions, don't watch. You know, sure. we're, we're not 12-year-olds we're not running around, oh, triggered, you know, like... Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I get that now. I get that now. Again, you know, there, there's... I can talk about myself as a kind of a, a lab rat, you know, and, and we must talk someday about about how I thought about all these things, you know, because I I kind of see now, I don't know, for, for me, it's like, do you remember when, um, well, do you remember, sorry, this is <laughs> way of putting it, but uh, the head of the MI5, head of MI5 was a Russian agent. Who was that again? Uh, uh, what was his name? You're veering very close into racism <laughs> here, Greg. You keep it light, mate. Mate, so, mate, you be, be kind. You're talking about his uncle. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, who, who was it though? Uh, oh God, I forget. One of the Cambridge spies, you know. Right. And he was the head of. Um, he was the head of MI5 for uh, for 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 years and did untold damage. Sent mm. sent sent thousands of people to, or you know, hundreds of agents to be to be tortured to death, you know, knowingly, you know. Um, by putting them on missions and then telling the Russians they were coming and stuff like this, and then after that, there was a there was a few years where MI5 simply didn't know who to trust, and they were totally paranoid and kind of fighting amongst themselves and blah 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 blah. Now I know that's this is a very roundabout way of getting here, but 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 you read a John Le Carre novel, and it's so complicated, it's so hard to take in. It's all about that kind of spirit and that time. Um, but it does nothing compared to the internet. The internet is a hall of mirrors, you know, mm -hmm. and we have no idea who we're talking to. We have no idea if we're doing the right thing at any one moment. 
it's it's it, 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 I, I think that as a species we weren't ready for it and we're still not ready and we're still adjusting you know um, I think there have to be lots of conversations about the effect of porn on kids you know whether porn is making young girls feel feel want to escape their sexuality uh, whether it's making young I fuck knows what it's doing to young boys but when you see a 20 year old kid in pigtails you know it's like no 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 this is something's gone wrong something's really gone wrong 20 year old male with pigtails and simpering at the camera and you know with a patreon link in their in their uh, in their thing it's it's there's got to be a conversation about porn. Why do you hate progress so much, Graham? Why do you hate <laughs> progress? Uh, listen, mate, speaking of conversations, we'd love to have you back on the show when we can do it in studio and we can continue because we've run out of time. Ah, okay. No, I'm happy to talk anytime. And uh, yeah, it's an interesting subject, all this, isn't it? I'd, I'd, yeah. I'd like to it is. No, we'd love to, come, we'd love to have you back uh, when we can sit down and talk face-to-face. I think that would be great. But thank you very much for coming on. And uh, we've just got one more question for you, mate. Oh, yeah. And the co- and the question always is, Graham, what's the one thing we're not talking about as a society that we really should be? Oh, God. Okay. Um, oh, I know. Uh, trans rights. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> well, uh, if, uh, if people want to follow you, your Twitter, remind everybody what your Twitter is, if they want to check out uh, your work and activism, I suppose it would be the right way of describing it. Is Glitter, yep. It's Glenna at Glenna. We'll make sure to put it in the video. Uh, thanks for coming on, and we'll see all of you who've been watching uh, very soon. And uh, we'll see Graham very soon for another interview when we can do it face to face. Definitely. Okay. Absolutely. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, Graham. I can't wait for the Father Ted musical. It's going to be blinding. Oh man, the songs are amazing so far, and mm. and I think we really we really nailed it. You know, it's very funny. I think you know. Uh, we did lose one joke the other day where uh, Dougal says. Um, uh, someone calls Dougal stupid and he says I'll never be Albert Epstein that's for sure alright well thanks very much uh, Graham and, thanks uh, for talking to me thanks See you Before you go, consider joining our exclusive member feed. As a member, you'll get ad-free and extended interviews. Click the membership link in the podcast description or find the exclusive episodes link on your podcast listening app to join us.